love suffereth long, and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. He asked it of every class and challenged every student with it. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate-level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day, word for word, from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary. Today, Dr. Mitchell looks at love in action in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. There are 15 statements about love in this passage, seven things that love is or does, and eight things love is not or does not. These are all evidences of the love of God in one's heart. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, 21, He that has my commandments and keeps them he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Indeed, love never fails. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell with our study. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you, and we are studying together the first book of Paul to the Corinthian church. And as we've been going through this little epistle of Paul to the Corinthian church, we can see how apropos it is with us today. Uh, we had some of the same things manifested that was in that church in the first century is manifested today in the 20th century. We were discussing together chapters 12, 13, and 14. This is a section which has to do with the gift of the Spirit of God to His people. Uh, we've seen in chapter 12, for example, the sovereignty of the Spirit of God in the bestowal of gifts. These gifts are given for one purpose, for edification, especially for the edification of the body of Christ, of the church, which is his body. It has to do with service. And we found in chapter 12, the gifts were given, uh, as I said a moment ago, under the sovereignty of Christ, the sovereignty of the Spirit, the sovereignty of God. 
We also found that we are in the body of Christ as it has pleased him. I may say, I want, I want this position or that position, this gift or that gift. No, the Lord himself puts us where it pleases him. And the best place for you and me to serve him is right where he has put us. This is the danger today. We want the other man's gift. We become envious and jealous of what somebody else has, not being satisfied with the place that God has put us, not being satisfied with the gift that God has given to us. And every believer has a gift of some sort. It may only be helps. It may only be the gift of ushering in a church or the gift of hospitality. Or we all want to be preachers or evangelists or teachers, someone in the public eye. No, uh, very few have those gifts, comparatively speaking. But every believer has a place, and you're special to him. You remember in the 27th verse of chapter 12, we read, Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. For some reason, I like that. Each one of us is very, very particular to God. And you might be the smallest person in the body of Christ, having the smallest place, but you're very special to him. And the body is not complete without you. I'm emphasizing this because I meet so many people today who alibi uh, because they don't have certain gifts. And they excuse themselves from doing anything for God. I am sure that when we come into the presence of the Savior at the judgment seat of Christ, and each one is going to give an account of ourselves, there are going to be some dear, dear saints, unknown to this world, unknown to many others, possibly pushed off to one place, possibly living in a nursing home for the last few years of their lives, possibly helpless. What can they do? As long as you're here on earth, you've got a particular position. It may be only to pray for others. It may be to pray for us. My friend, it's an amazing thing. God put you and me on his team, and he's got a particular place for you to fill. But it all must be governed by love. So we come to chapter 13, where we have the, the governing of the gifts is by, by love. As Paul says, I'll show you a more excellent way. And though you have all the gifts of the Spirit and haven't love, just nothing, this is far more valuable than anything else. You know, sometimes we take this 13th chapter of Corinthians and we pull it entirely out of its setting. Why, why should the Spirit of God put chapter 13 between 12 and 14? Chapter 12, the bestowal of gifts, and chapter 14, the exercise of the gifts. Why push that chapter in on love? Because all the gifts of the Spirit apart from love are valueless. Every gift is given for the purpose of edification of the other fellow of the body of Christ. So we come to chapter 13. We were spending a few moments in our last lesson on this. Uh, it's true that God is righteous and God is holy. And our God is a consuming fire. But the very essence of his being toward man is love. My, how God must love men and women. Huh? How he must love you and me. How we must love sinners. When I see the world in its corruption, oftentimes in its violent opposition to God, 
Amazing thing that God still loves men. Why do you think he's not returning right now? Why does, he allow, why does he allow men to go on their own way as if God wasn't even on the throne? It's because he loves men. God wants men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, I know that most of us, and I'm sure that I'm speaking for myself when I say, we yearn for the coming of the Lord to set things straight. This world is looking for a dictator, but he must be a righteous dictator. As I've oftentimes said, Jesus Christ is the only one who can qualify for that. And one, as, I, as the prophet I say, I think it was, who said, uh, the world is running to and fro, and the world is needing for someone to come. And when he comes, he's going to reign in righteousness when the poor man will have justice and equity. Meantime, you and I are down here, gifted by God to do a job for him, but it must be governed by love. The very essence of the heart of God toward man is love. I want to emphasize this. Sometimes we Christians, evangelical Christians, we forget we've got a real ministry to let people know that we have a Savior who died for sinners. And sometimes we fold our cloaks around ourselves lest we be tarnished with sinners. And yet I say that the Lord Jesus, when he walked among men, he was the accused of being the friend of publicans and sinners. Aren't you glad he loves sinners? As Luke 19.10 says, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And every attitude that he had towards sinners was in love. And as Romans 5.8 says, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, love is is a conformity to the very heart and nature of God. That's why we have it in Romans 5, 5. The love of God, divine love, has been shed abroad in our hearts, the hearts of believers, hearts of his children, by the Spirit of God which he's given to them. And love is the expression of what he is. And you and I are down here on earth to reveal to men the fact that God is love. And the reason the Spirit of God is indwelling us is that he might show to the world something of his heart, of his love, of his compassion, of his tenderness, and yet of his righteousness. And so now when we come to verses 48 of chapter 13, which, by the way, was our lesson for today. We have love in action, or the action of love. Or, as someone has said, it's the evidence of the love of God in our hearts. And by the way, if you take these words, and I'm going to read these verses, and if you were to put the name Jesus or Christ in there, how it would fit. Listen to it. Verse 4, Love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. Now, if you were to put in there, Jesus... Jesus suffered long and was still kind, so on. 
And yet, this can be demonstrated, evident in your life and my life as we walk with him. It's not the gifts of the Spirit, my friend, that reveal the presence of Christ or the love of Christ. The gifts are for edification, but love is the very expression of the heart of God toward men. Do you love him? Say, well, he loves me. Yes, but he loves you with an everlasting love, with a perfect love. How much do you love him? You see, the life of Christ, you can't imitate the life of Christ. It defies imitation. It can be reproduced by the Spirit of God in the believer. Listen to it. Love suffereth long and is still kind. Love is a sufferer in this world. Doesn't wear out. Never disappointed. Still kind. It doesn't blow up, you know. Love suffereth long. Still kind. You know, I was thinking about the same principle of that when when Jesus said to the disciples, how often shall I forgive my brother? Now the Pharisees would say twice. The law of Moses was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Pharisees said, well, I'll forgive a man twice. Peter said, Lord, I'll forgive him seven times. Bless his heart. Will you go that far? Or do you say, I'll forgive you this time, but brother, never let it happen again. No, 77 times seven. Our Lord said, Peter, seven times is not enough. 70 times seven. You know, I was speaking on forgiveness in a little, in a boys' class one day. I like to talk to boys. And this little fellow said, well, Mr. Mitchell, what do you do when you've forgiven your brother 70 times seven? That's 490 times. Well, I said, I tell you, Billy, when you have forgiven your brother 490 times, you come and, tell, you come and ask me what to do next. See, I was on pretty safe ground. Too many of us will forgive a man and pat ourselves on the back. We forgive him once, and to forgive him twice, man, that's beyond comprehension. But if you give a man seven times, or 70 times seven, you see, friend, love suffereth long, and is still kind, still kind. You say, well, no one's gonna wipe his feet on me, I know. I've got my own rights, yes, I know, but love suffereth long and is still kind. Sometimes made a doormat. People take advantage of you, that's true. But genuine love suffereth long and is still kind. Then the second one, love envieth not. Love doesn't seek a place above others. Doesn't want what others have. Love never envies. You see, when you envy somebody, you're manifesting selfishness, something for yourself. Love envieth not. If the other person has more than you, well, praise the Lord. The other one's got a greater gift than you have, praise the Lord. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. Not popped up. Love vaunteth not itself. Doesn't parade itself. It's not self-assertive. You see, everything here is opposed to self, isn't it? 
Love is not puffed up. Doesn't go beyond what is due. Love is not a swelled head. You're not a braggart. Not conceited. Not an egotist. Love is never puffed up. Not proud. You know, when I read these verses, it feels like a man want to crawl down before, before the Savior. Just get down before him and ask him to put into our hearts the energy of love. And remember the Spirit of God has come to live into you, into your heart, into my heart, and your life, and my life, for the display of the heart and character of God. Man, you say, that's supernatural. That's right. That's right. And you can have all the gifts if you want to, all the gifts of the Spirit in chapter 12. If you haven't loved, you've got nothing. You're nothing. Though I give my body to be burned, do all my goods to feed the poor and have no love. It's nothing. I can be exact in doctrine and preach like a whirlwind. If I have no love, it's nothing. If ever there was a time when we needed servants of God. Now, I've been a pastor for a great many years. I've been preaching the Word of God for over 50 years. You don't believe that, do you? Well, I have. I know one of the easiest things, one of the easiest things is to preach, especially when you've had a real good meeting. People pat you on the back. Believe me, people will try to get you occupied with yourself. It's like the woman, you know, who, who came to the, to the pastor and said, that's the most wonderful message I ever heard in my life. And he said, yes, madam, the devil told me that when I got through preaching. So easy to get puffed up. So easy. Love is never puffed up. You know, I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to you. It's so easy for Christian workers, they get puffed up, proud, to be envious of others. May the Lord deliver us. Love, formedeth not itself, is not puffed up does not behave itself unseemly. It's always courteous. It's kind. It's never rough or brutal. doesn't say ugly things about somebody else, you know. does not behave itself unseemly. Always kind and courteous. Love never seeks her own. Always on the lookout for others. Love is self-emptying. Seeketh not her own. I'm telling you, this is supernatural. You know, as some people say, if you only have a certain experience, my house, spiritual you'll be. No, sir. There are no shortcuts to spirituality. And the gifts of the Spirit of God are no sign of spirituality. When you keep this thing before your heart and mind, no shortcuts to spirituality. Having all the gifts of the Spirit doesn't mean you're going to be spiritual. Corinthian church had all the gifts and was still carnal. If you don't believe that, you read chapter 1 and chapter 3. Love never seeks her own. Is never easily provoked. Love is not easily provoked. It's not sensitive. Not full of malice. Doesn't get exasperated with people. Doesn't get stirred up quickly. Some people who are always on the trigger, if you know what I mean by that, 
You just say one word that doesn't hit right, and man, they just fly off. Love is not easily provoked. My, when I read these things, doesn't it make you and I feel like getting down and asking the Lord to take over? Love thinketh no evil. Takes no pleasure in finding some bad things about people. Love doesn't keep an account of what other people do. The love thinketh no evil. See, love covers a multitude of sins. Love doesn't bring... Love doesn't, lo love doesn't bring into the open the failures and faults of others. Doesn't run and tell everybody, you know. You know, it's an amazing thing. If you hear something bad about somebody, it, they, it's so easy to run to the telephone and tell, Mrs. Mrs. So-and-so, isn't that terrible what so-and-so did? Yeah. But if they do something good, something really good, you don't run to the telephone. You say to yourself, she thinks she's somebody. That's not love. Love thinketh no evil. Love covereth a multitude of sins. Love doesn't want to parade the evil somebody else is doing or the failures of others. Love thinketh no evil. Covers it up. That's love. That's what a mother does over a child. Somebody comes along and accuses a child. Immediately there's a response of what? Defending the child, covering it up. My friend, may the Lord grant to you and to me this divine love in operation in our lives. God is love. The very essence of his being is love. And one more thing. Love never rejoices in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Verse 6. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. This is the true basis. Truth is the basis of all holiness. Never rejoices in the truth. Take these last two. Love thinketh no evil. Love never rejoices in iniquity, but always rejoices in the truth. Now, you notice all those things have to do with others. I don't like to use the word passive, but that's what it is. Now, when you come to the action of love, you take these last four. Love beareth all things. <laughs> oh, brother. Love enjoys helping others in the tribulations, in their trials, in their burdens. Love beareth all things. Always on the lookout to help somebody else in their problems, in their trials, in their burdens. Love believeth all things. Never suspicious. How easy it is to become suspicious. Somebody says something, and there's a question mark in your mind, and you, and you begin to get suspicious of what they're saying. Do they mean what they say? Love hopeth all things. Looks through the clouds, the, the tribulations and trials of life, and sees him, our Savior, and his purpose as being complete. See, love looks forward to the future, the guarantee of perfection in Christ. Love hopeth all things. And then one more, love endureth all things. Remain strong, irrespective of all the conditions. Love endureth all things. 
That's pretty hard, isn't it? Brother Mitchell, you're only living where I'm living. Yes, I know, but love endureth all things. It's an amazing. For example, look at a mother's love. By what mothers endure more than dad knows. And love endureth all things. Love never fails. I've taken the time to go over those verses four to eight. What for? Because it's the very expression of the heart of God toward men. This is a supernatural life, and the Spirit of God is in living in you and me for the outworking of that light, that divine light, that men and women might know him whom to know is life eternal. Now may the Lord wonderfully bless you today, make his face to shine upon you, and may something of the love of Christ, that divine love which has been shed abroad in your heart, dear man and woman of God, be manifested in your family, where you work, your neighborhood, wherever you are. Love never fails. May the Lord make it real to you and to me these days for his precious name's sake. Love is patient and is kind. Love doesn't envy, does not brag, and is not proud, doesn't behave itself inappropriately, does not seek its own way, is not provoked, does not take into account an evil, doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word broadcast. Life begins at hell.